I think that I, I believe wholeheartedly that this is one of the other reasons why having a multi-ethnic church is very priority because now we can talk about these issues. We can have conversations like me and you have very deep, honest conversations um, and then be able to, you know, comfort one another, but also be able to explain, you know, why we feel, why we, you know, why we see this, be able to empathize or whatever have you. Like we are able to have those conversations, you know, in private that will promote public unity. You know, because how we act in public is a reflection of our relationship in private. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Multi-Ethnic Gospel Approach Podcast, where we cover all things multi-ethnic. What's up, guys? I'm Marcel, and this is the Mega Podcast. I'm here with my guy, Micah Gaston. Uh, we're here talking about all things multi-ethnic church. Um, in case you don't know, this is episode three, and we, and Mega Podcast stands for Multi-Ethnic Gospel Approach That's it. Podcast. Yep. And so today, we're going to dive into another topic, and the topic today is why is the multi-ethnic church a priority, especially with our sociological change here in the U.S. So, as usual, I want to go ahead and hand it off to the man himself, uh, <laughs> Sir Micah, um, uh, and yeah, take it away, man. Appreciate it, man. So, uh, so we kind of spent these first couple of episodes really looking at the the foundation of the church being multi-ethnic. Yeah. So from that being the multi-ethnic church leadership and the, the expressions we have in different cities in the New Testament being, you know, multi-class, multi-ethnic, multi-generational to our approach. So, you know, yeah. what does Jesus mean when he says to be ministers of reconciliation? There's others we didn't dive into, like what does it mean to be a peacemaker, which is an active role of, of stepping into conflict and seeking to be somebody that makes resolution. Um, and, and you know, there's there's so de- so much depth there to the idea of what it means to be a church building the kingdom of God. Um, so this week we're kind of looking at what what are the what's the uniqueness of kind of our place in history and our place in our in our U.S. culture uh, of why why now is the time, you know, for us really to be intentional about this thing. So here's a few things. You got a that, lot of reasons, that's for sure. Absolutely, lots yeah. of reasons. So yeah. beyond the the biblical ones, obviously, which is right. the start foundation. Yeah. Um, but we're missionaries, right? Yeah. Which means we take the timeless message of the gospel in a timely way to our culture, mm-hmm. right? Uh, and so I think the multi ethnic church part of our expression uh, is 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 engaging to our culture because the moment we're in. Mm-hmm. Um, so here's a few stats about the moment we're in in our culture. So the first is by the year 2032. Uh, the working, uh, the workforce in the United States will be majority non-white by 2032. So fast forward a few a few more years to 2050, and the whole United States population will be majority non-white. Yeah. Uh, and so, in other words, the United States has always been a melting pot, uh, okay. and and in our in our roots for sure. Uh, that was that was part of what the, the country was, mm-hmm. but even now, you know, more so, it's a multi pot that is a multi ethnic, multi culture, multi uh, uh, color melting pot as well. Yeah, not just you know Western you know melting pot necessarily, mm-hmm. but global melting pot. Yeah, you know, That's and cool. all the diversity that entails. Yes, sir. And so there's an opportunity for us as the church to be intentional to say, well, what does that mean for us? Like who lives. Uh, you know, close to our church, who lives close, you know, like on our block. Uh, so like for us, 
in the most you know diverse through square miles in the state of Alabama. That means for us that uh, largely we're flex- flexion of our city, uh, and our city is is just about you know fifty fifty white to black, um, but it, you know, it's about forty eight point whatever percent of each. Uh, and smaller population densities of Latino and Asian right. uh, cultures as well. Uh, and so for us, we said, hey, if we're going to be a healthy church that reflects our community, then we should strive to look pretty close for to sure. that. And what our normal attendance looks like as we staff leaders, yeah. like all those sort of things. And so I think churches need to be able to be honest about that. Like, uh, how are we reaching um, the people on our block? And then, you know, within, you know, um, they say if you're really if you're really a dynamic church, your yeah. reach is at the most probably thirty minutes. Yeah, and so most of us, if we're honest, we're not like to that level. Like we're not mm-hmm. drawing thousands, right? And that's okay. I'm not knocking churches that are right. Um, I trust they're really really being effective for the gospel for sure. Um, so if we define ours and say, hey, we really want to do a good job at reaching our our fifteen to seventeen minutes or fifteen yeah. to twenty minutes, yeah. you know, um, and and what does that look like if I, if I get in a car and I drive? For sure. You know, five miles this way, five miles that way, like a radius from my campus. Yeah. What neighborhoods am I going to drive through? Wow. Who lives there? Yeah. Are we reaching those people? Mm-hmm. For um, sure. And so just being able to really, you know, you know, really dig down to the demographics in your area and say, okay, who's a member here? Yeah. Who, who's our clientele, so to speak, kind of in secular yeah. terms, right? That we're reaching. Um, and, you know, and, and, and recognizing that, you know, your systems and processes and the way you're doing things are geared to reach just the people you're reaching. Yeah, for you know? sure. For uh, and sure. so the people that are there, you're reaching them for a reason. Yeah, you know? man. Uh, and so I think being able to say, hey, the whole culture is shifting uh, to where it is much more multi-ethnic. So how's our church culture shifting? That's good, man. So I think that um, these are all great things um, as far as to know, but how would a person who was attempting to build you know, a mono, a monoethnic, not monoethnic, Lord Jesus, a multi-ethnic <laughs> uh, church, um, where would they be able to go and grab information like that to be able to shape their approach to their context? Like, where yeah. can they find that information? Sure. You know, as far as, you know, who's in their area, um, you know, what type of incomes do you have in the area, you know, uh, people below or above the poverty line, like how, where do they go to grab that information? Yeah. So I think the first thing you can do is there's um there's studies that um that are that are free to anybody you can get it available through there's associations of uh, of like Baptist churches that do that for uh, uh for you there's also things you can get where you just do Google searches you can do stuff through sure. um, companies compile information so for a small amount of information or excuse me for a small you know fee or membership you can get that information yeah um you know you can also um you can also you know, uh, look at, there's a lot of, as far as, you know, learning your block, there's just some real staying power, sticking power um, to you doing some of it yourself. Yeah. You know, and so we've done some stuff uh, at our campus before where we have, you know, just gone kind of door to door. So we try to do it in a very relational, engaging yeah. type of way where we offer like a homemade baked good, like brownies or cookies, yeah. uh, and just ask them, you know, can we talk to you? Like, what type of church are you looking for? Like, do you consider yourself a follower of Jesus or are you still working on that? Or, you right. know, what's kind of your background? And so yeah. um, so that's a much more kind of relational way that you're not just digging into numbers. You're more trying that's to good. dig yeah. deeper in a relationship with people that are close to your campus. Sure. Um, but, I mean, there, there's the short answer to that is there are a bunch of different ways depending upon what your, um, you know, what your budget is that you can get free or 
you know, pay for resources that will unpack all the demographics in your area. That's good. Yeah. That's good. That's good. Um, now, I know that obviously, you know, um, me and you have talked before about the church, you know, being diverse and how like, you know, everywhere we go, you know, our work, school, you know, grocery store, you know, wherever we do life, it's very, you know, mixed uh, environments, yeah. you know, um, it's very multi-ethnic um, in its in its nature, except for church a lot of times, you know. So what are some, um, I guess, some 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 pressure points we can kind of address, you know, to help uh, identify why it's so important for us to start shaping our uh, churches in a multi-ethnic context, especially if we're, you know, if our areas, if our towns and our mission field is that. Yeah. So, so I think first of all, you have to start asking yourself the what we talk about a lot of times is the staff and his teams, the why behind the what. Yeah. So everything you do on a Sunday morning has a function. Yeah. You know, down to you know how many songs you sing, how long the messages. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, whether you take up an offering and people go around with baskets, or whether mm-hmm. you have like a generosity box. Yeah. Uh, whether your ushers wear gloves, you know, mm-hmm. whether you have a certain dress code that's yeah. not necessarily stated, but is def- <laughs> definitely enforced right. with the looks on people's faces and all right. that sort of stuff. Yeah. Uh, and so I think, you know, being honest with people on your team uh, and, and inviting people that aren't, that are newer to your church, particularly the people you, that are more of the type of people you want to reach mm. um, to say, Hey, what are things you notice about the way we do church? Yeah. Um, for good or bad. And it's not saying that you have to take everything they tell you and just, you know, abandon everything you've been doing and immediately begin doing all those things. But at least that's a starting point. Like yeah. if you want to reach young professionals in your area that are that are diverse in ethnicity, uh, if you're in a you're, a, you're an aging church that's in monocultural, very traditional, yeah. and a very uh, you know, block that's trending towards newer families moving mm-hmm. in, you start reaching some of them. Yeah. Well, if you reach one, pick their brain. Come on. You know, man. like ask them like, hey, what what about our church did you love? So yeah. you can, you know, fill affirmed a little bit and yeah. maybe ask a tougher question then. What what did you not like? You right. Know? What did you have to fight against to stay here? Yeah. You know, and so being able to ask them questions and get honest feedback about yeah. if we want to reach more families like like your family. Yeah. What are some things that we need to we need to either change? Right. Uh, or maybe stop doing altogether. Right. To be more effective in reaching yeah. um and reaching our block, yeah. you know. Um and so I think having honest conversation with people that you want to reach in, maybe you're not even there yet. Maybe you don't even have that family yet. Yeah. I think maybe just maybe you go out on that on that Saturday morning and hand yeah. out baked goods yeah. and say, hey, you may have a church you worship at, and that's great. But we want to start more effectively reaching our community. Yeah. You're a follower of Jesus, so, so I know you're worshiping somewhere. Would you yeah. be willing to sit down and have coffee with our team and let us know you know, why you're at the church you're at, you know, so some good. of the things that make sense for your generation, for That's your so family, yeah. that we can begin to change our cultural norm yeah. so that those coming from that culture will feel at home there Man. at our church. That's good. You know, um, so I think there's a lot of different ways to approach it, but you got to start really asking, why do we do what we do? Yeah. Because we have norms for all the way we're doing things. Yeah, for sure. And until those norms begin to become the norm for other people groups, they're not coming. For sure. Because that means they have to assimilate to our culture. For sure. To be part of our church. Yeah. So um, another thing, and that was really good. Um, another thing that I've noticed, like being here, you know, at Three Circle, um, is that our model is to kind of be like within a twenty-minute radius of yeah. where our church campus is. Sure. And so, and I love that because that means that if I'm within that radius, that I get to do life with people in my community. Yeah. They get to see me. They get to learn who I am. You know, um, and they don't all the the ambiguity about where I came from. It kind of just kind of leaves. It's like yeah. I see you around town all the time. You know, um, and I think that in a lot of places 
that is just not normal yeah. for pastors or leaders to live in the community where their churches are, you know. Um, and I think that's a big piece of what helps us to reach our community because they see us doing life there, you know. So, like, for instance, if I go to the Publix down the street from uh, from our Midtown campus and I say, hey, our church is, you know, just around the block, like, that's a lot more effective than me saying, hey, um, my church is, you know, I'm about 45 minutes away. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, I would love to see you come out there. Like, this is not going to happen. You know, it's very, very unlikely that it will happen. Yeah. And so, you know, those are other, other things that we can do as leaders even to just kind of, you know, start looking at, okay, and I know that people got their purposes where they want to live this and third. I get it. But, you know, are we doing life to be comfortable here on earth or are we doing life to to make it uh, make eternity comfortable, you know, yeah. or, or, or to to get souls into heaven? You know yeah. what I mean? And so it's just kind of one of those those compromises that we may have to make from time to time. But I do think that's a valid conversation to have um, leaders with your spouses, you know, and with your leadership team to just kind of help shape how you reach people. Because a lot of times people won't come to your church because they don't know who you are. Yeah. You know what I mean? They're like, I don't know who that man is, or I don't know who that woman is or, or whatever. So anywho, those are just little things that I've noticed that I've picked up since I've been here that I feel, I feel like are great uh, contributors to us building, you know, a multi-ethnic church and doing it well at mid, at Midtown. Mind you, you know, we've got some things that we want to, you know, get right because there's no roadmap to this. um, Sure. Uh, entirely, you know, so we figure out things as we go um, for our context and yeah. um, and everybody's going to have to do that. But I think that those are some things that we can grab a hold to and start just looking at, hey, have a conversation. Hey, consider where we're what, where we're doing life, where we're doing most of our life at. Is it 45 minutes away from our campus or is it yeah. within the, you know, the the area, the the neighborhood, the town? where yeah. our church is and so that way people can see us. So. And I think I think not only being visible as a leader in yeah. your community, like Breedy and I, you know, we made the made the choice. We're living in a suburb of Mobile, you know, in kind of the northwestern you know, part of the county or whatever. Yeah. That whenever we, you know, were called to three circle, you know, midtown, yeah. we move within like seven minutes of the church. Right. You know? Um and uh, you know, just being able to say it's hard to say before midtown, love midtown, engage midtown with the good news of Jesus if you live somewhere else you yeah. know what i mean yeah. um but i think also like the culture of the church has to um has to become um very engaged like for us a lot of it was you know um even on in the early days talking with our leadership team you know was how do we become not just a church on a block but a church for the block yeah so in other words people that are from different backgrounds and all they'll walk to this church and they feel like they're loved and accepted here yeah. because of our our cultural norms in the community, like the amount of stuff we do with the elementary school that's an eighth of a mile down the street from us, yeah. of, you know, sponsoring their fall festival event, paying for all the inflatables, or bringing bringing in a DJ that plays good music, that's clean yeah. music, that yeah. we don't charge them anything for it, and you know, feeding yeah. their teachers, uh, and also just having you know those regular reaches, you know, weekly you're doing yeah. like Ransom Cafe, but we have big annual events too, you yeah. know, like our back to school bash where we hand sure. out you know 450 book bags, you know, and have done so every year for five years now. Uh, and so, and so that's a, that's a way in which we say to the community, we love you. We, we are here for you and your family. Yeah. Uh, and so that's a, in other words, that's a, that's a ministry of presence, for sure. a presence in the community that says, you know, we are allies with you, yeah. uh, in life. And we want to see you not only experience the good news of Jesus, yeah. but also we want to meet, we meet tangible needs. Cause that's, that's the thing we, we balance those two things. For sure. Like Jesus preached the gospel. Yeah. That his life, death, and resurrection was the sole means of salvation and restoration to relationship to God. Yeah. The good news. That's good. But also he he healed people, right? 
yeah. blind people that he that he Come gave on, sight man. to, and you know people that were lame that he said get up and walk. Uh, and so sometimes we can kind of bifurcate those two things and say, oh, we need to do tangible, you know, needs based ministry. <laughs> Pause. He said bifurcate. <laughs> You got another word there. There you go. Terminology uh, check. Right yes. There. Yes. Fabricate. <laughs> fabricate. All right. So uh, we can separate those things, right? <laughs> yes, there's sir. A, there's a, uh, another term, right? Uh, this is just an easy way to say it. We can separate those things. You yeah, just say, hey, sure. let's meet tangible needs. Yeah. Or, hey, we just need to preach the gospel. Yeah. Uh, and it's not an either or. It's a both and. For sure. You know, we've got to tell people Jesus loves them. Yeah. And demonstrate Jesus Come loves on. them. Yeah. Uh, and good. so I think just being present in your community yeah, and trying to feel out what the needs are. Uh, and, and it's like you said, it's, it's a continuum yeah. of figuring that out because, because yeah. frankly, although, uh, you know, cities have similarities in their challenges. Um, they also have different nonprofits and ministries and churches that are meeting some yeah. of those challenges. Yeah. And so your church has to be honest about, are we replicating something that's mm. already being done very well, very close to mm -hmm. us just because there's a need Wow. Or are we asked the intentional question of uh, maybe it is being done, but not nearly enough to meet the need. Yeah. And so it's okay for us to replicate this yeah. because they're doing very effective ministry through this ministry wow. or nonprofit, but they're not near touching the need. Right. Uh, and so sometimes we can just find a need and start launching ministries and efforts. Uh, and really, it's already being done very well, right. and we're not really making a dent. Wow. And, and a need that right. really needs to happen in our block, in our community. Right. Whenever we're really engaged and know people and get to know our block, yeah. we can say, hey, this is a need and a need God's calling us to that we That's need to good. engage this. Uh, and so, you know, I think being present in that sense, not only visible, but engaged, you know, the pulse of your yeah, area. For sure. And what's going on and how you can bring renewal there. For sure. You know, so. So, like, you know, another reason why, and I just kind of want to address the elephant in the room, if you yeah. will, you know, um, another reason why I feel like multi-ethnic church is a priority, especially here in our social climate with within the U.S., is that I believe, I, I like wholeheartedly believe, once we start to do life with people that don't look like us, you know, they become our family, right? Yeah. You know, and so that means that I not, I not only have this this newfound love for my family, but now I can defend my brother, right? And so I do feel like that as the church, our response, um, our response to uh, social issues, like we should respond to it in a very gospel centric way. Yeah. But I feel like that would it, it would make it a lot easier and better and founded like if we do life together because now i'm not just feeding into social media spin yeah. on the quote-unquote racial war but i'm i'm able to look at what's what the media is saying and i'm like no that's a lie everybody's not like that because i know micah yeah i know Brittany. i know you know whomever like yeah. you know what i mean and so again that that, that go that blackness you know what i mean um <laughs> <laughs> so um I think that uh, I believe wholeheartedly that this is one of the other reasons why having a multi-ethnic church is very priority because now we can talk about these issues. We can have conversations like me and you have very deep, honest conversations um, and then be able to, you know, comfort one another, but also be able to explain, you know, why we feel, why we, you know, why we see this, be able to empathize or whatever have you. Like we are able to have those conversations, you know, in private that will promote public unity. 
yeah. you know, because w- how we act in public is a reflection of our relationship in private. You know, the conversations that we've already had, yeah. the conversations and the time that's already been invested into one another. And so I think that multi-ethnic ministry is a perfect gateway for that yeah. to happen, you know. And if you're fighting against it, if you're fighting against that wave, so to say, then you're being an enemy of progress. And that's that's just my opinion. Yeah. Um, you're being an enemy of progress if you're not um, doing what you can to make sure that you are promoting multi-ethnic um, ministry, especially if you're in an area where multi-ethnic, uh, you know, there's a multi-ethnic context in your area. Yeah. And I think another layer of that too, is it helps you break down those stereotypes about class. As yes, well. sir. Yes, because sir. I mean, even, even prior to, you know, working in a more suburban context in the past, uh, you know, you come into, uh, come into a ministry context, more urban, much more closer in proximity to the city. Uh, and you have these ideas in mind, but then you, you know, so about what a homeless person looks like. A person, oh. we like to say a lot of times in transition, even our campus, because, yeah. you know, not not giving a stigma, even the way we communicate where they are, you know, in their kind of journey. So, I mean, uh, I've, I've met people we work with that have, that are on the street that, you know, maybe they're battling substance abuse or there's layers of things going on in their life, but they have master's degrees. So we, a lot of times we assume, oh, this person's, you know, maybe has mental stability issues or substance abuse issues yeah. or some of those things. Some of those things can be the case. Um, but there's there's layers to people's story. Like, yeah. you know, and so I think, and sometimes people will assume things about like a single mother or a mother that, uh, or family that's on a lot of government assistance and assume things about them. You know, but we have like, I, I've counseled families at, you know, at our campus, you know, where um, – She's a single mother because she tried to make a marriage last for ten years. Wow! With an abusive husband, yeah, who abused, who eventually physically abused her, yeah, um, but always abused substances, yeah, spending the family's money on it, yeah, and so, um, and so she's working really hard, uh, you know, to try to get, you know, to a place of stability for her family, correct. And she had to make a very tough decision after a decade of trying to yeah. make a very tough relationship work, yeah. And so it's very easy for us on the outside looking in. To say, well, you know, he or she's made these decisions, but we don't know their story. Come on, we really don't. Come on. Uh, and so, I think part another beautiful part of being a part of a diverse church is, you know, also that you're going to get to know people that are in different, you know, economic statuses from different economic backgrounds. Yeah. Um, that you know, you just rather than operating based upon your negative assumptions, mm-hmm. which we all have. Come on. Getting to know people. Yeah. And uh, and just loving people where they're at. Now, it doesn't mean that, that it's all grace and no truth. Yeah. That you simply just say, oh, well, you know, all the sins and issues you're dealing with are okay. Right. No more than we would in our own discipleship. Yeah. Um, but extending to them love and grace and seeking to understand yeah. um, before being understood, which is our propensity, right? So good. Yeah. Um, and I think just being able to, it, it frees us up to where um, it, it's a beautiful thing to me whenever on Sunday morning I'm teaching. You know, and you see somebody come in, you know, uh, and you recognize them as somebody that's coming to Ransom Cafe, and, and you know they're yeah. they're in transition. Like they don't they don't have a place to stay, but they want to come to worship. That's good because they felt loved and accepted. You yeah. Know? So yeah, that's so good, man. I think just um, just again that 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 intentionality, man, just doing life with people and yeah. and making sure that you know we are doing it on purpose because 
here's the thing that people do what they want to do. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So if, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> it just came out again. <laughs> I don't know why. It's just it's tickling me every time. But anywho, yes, yeah, like doing life with people intentionally, like that's a big, that's a big factor. And once we decide to do that, like once we want to do it, we'll make it a priority, yeah. you know, in our personal lives and also in our ministry. So with that being said, we have kind of reached the, uh, the, the tail end of this episode. So catch us next time right here on the mega podcast. It's been, um, it's been a mega dope time. That's right. You know what I'm saying? Mega tastic time. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> mega, mega what? Megarific. <laughs> Megarific. <laughs> I like that one. That might stick.